like we normally do. We're going to kind of just jump back into worship. Mark has a lot of announcements to go over uh, before the sermon, so we're not going to do our normal announcements, but I do want to remind you guys, if you want to stand and worship with us, please do. Uh, feel like You don't feel like you have to sit. You can stand and worship with us. Uh, we're just going to jump back in here. Lift him high, our praise to Jesus. Lift him high for all to 
lift him high, the cross of Calvary, where mercy died to set us free.
you're standing please stay standing we're going to do something a little different this morning and we're going to all stand and we're going to read the scriptures together in unison so if you would please stand this may seem awkward it may seem a little different that's okay we're okay with being a little uncomfortable right okay so just read this aloud with me if you would please and so dear brothers and sisters we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciousness have been sprinkled with Christ's blood and make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. So long, somehow I stand where even angels fear to tread. Invited by redeeming love before the throne of God above, He pulls me close with nail-scarred hands into his everlasting arms when condemnation grips my heart and Satan tempts me to despair I hear the voices Scatters the great I am, the Lord is here. Oh, praise the one who fights for me and sheds my soul eternally. 
we truly can just rest in what you have done. There's nothing, there's nothing that you left undone. You did it all. And Lord, we stand redeemed, holy because of you. We thank you. We are resting in the work you have done. There is nothing that you left undone. You opened our world to the presence of our God. Welcomed here as worthy. Of the cross, cannot walk away. Here's where we want to stay, singing blessing and honor, glory and power forever to our God. 
in power forever to our God. He has wiped away the stain of all our sin and shame and He's asked us to come and rest. Oh, rest and rest. Oh, rest in our God. Amen. Man, that was great this morning. I, you know, I, I don't want to start on a sour note, but I've been a little discouraged this last week, and man, that just brightened my heart to see you guys here this morning. Thank you. To see you guys here this morning, and yes, I'm going to sit down, and the reason is I'm, I'm doing way better. Thank you for all the questions about my back. Uh, I know you care, and, and I appreciate that. I'm better, but I'm, I'm a little afraid of having some sort of muscle spasm in the middle and falling on the floor. That would disrupt from the Word. So I'm going to sit and stare at you this morning. This is a... a uh, if I can get my iPad to work right. But uh, this is such a, uh, a weird season, and we've talked about it a lot, but man, I'll tell you what, getting together with God's family and uh, worshiping the Lord, and, and um, that is our hope. Our, our, really, our hope. I'm so glad this week is coming, and it's, it's going to be a weird week, right? doesn't matter who you vote for. doesn't matter who wins. It's going to be a weird week. But, um, uh, well, I'm going to get into the message in a few minutes. I do have some announcements I want to make some things that are going on uh, that are really, really important. Uh, you probably don't remember this, but this is, congratulations, you made it to November. Yeah, you should celebrate yourself a little bit there. You survived. Uh, we're working on, at 2021 is going to be awesome because 2020 has been so strange. But having said that, November, whether you remember it or not, is really the busiest month of our ministry year. Um, we have lots that goes on this month. And we need you engaged uh, as never before because of the way things are. Um, so let me go through some things that you need to be aware of. Um, and, uh, and that is, for those, we have a new members class. We haven't had one this year because of COVID. We got a new members class next Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to be held in the Student Center. It starts at 9.30. And if you're interested in finding out more about Carpenter's Way or you want to become a member, that's how you do that. But you don't have to become a member because you go. You'll meet with all the elders and the pastoral staff during the second hour. But that goes from 9.30 until about 11.45. But that's next Sunday. We've had quite a few sign up. Uh, and if you are interested in joining us, if you'll email the office or you'll be welcome to come if you just show up. But uh, that's next Sunday morning. Uh, also, next Sunday night is our annual business meeting. And for those of you who are new to Carpenter's Way, that's usually a 10-minute vote is what it really works into. Because we set out this year, the only thing we're voting on is, uh, is our budget. And um, for those of you uh, in, in the building this morning, you can pick one up as you exit. Uh, make sure you look over that. But that's kind of exciting because we are very excited because as we have thought and prayed um, let me go back and set this up. About nine years ago, Jeff Bonin and Mark Dubos, after Justin uh, Kirkwood went back to the mission field in Russia, we, really, we started looking for a youth pastor, and we really felt like uh, after talking to a lot of guys that, that we wanted to do discipleship in-house with our students. And uh, Mark Dubos and Jeff Bonin made a, what was it, a five- or six-year commitment. Uh, nine years later, they're tired. Um, but basically, they, uh, they, they made a five- or six-year commitment, and that was what we decided. And during, when the end of that period came, 
we, uh, things were still going well and we were paying off and we were doing renovation stuff that was coming on the horizon. But now the building is paid for and they are, we, are, uh, we are very excited to announce that this, uh, the change in this year's budget reflects adding a pastor, uh, a, a student pastor. Uh, this will be a person who will spend 24 hours a day worrying about junior high and high school kids. Um, now, there was some concern that when I announced this, people are beginning to ask, well, is Jeff and Alicia leaving? Not till they're dead. <laughs> so I have threatened their lives. Jeff and Alicia are staying. Alicia will still be queen of all things children's ministry. And Jeff will be moving full time. Jeff's position hasn't been student pastor. It was executive pastor. And, uh, but when you're running a student ministry, and, and man, he worked, Mark Dubose came in every Monday morning, and they would meet for an hour for the last nine years. I mean, they, there was so much work that went into that, but that limited the things that he could do on the other side. And so we are very excited having paid off our building, having re rebuilt this building. Uh, now you see a ceiling the outside because we've had some, uh, some leaking issues, and that's called some, it's, it's, uh, it's mil some mildew issues. That's being done. It's all been paid for by cash. Thank you. That, that is something to be excited about. We do a lot of supportive missions, and we're going to keep doing that, but we can only do that as we keep healthy here, right? And uh, we have had some folks that walk in here and their, their allergies go up. So we've, we've spent a lot of money the last year on this building, and, and because of your faithful giving, it's all been paid cash. So we have zero debt, um, and that is allowing us to, uh, to hire a student pastor. So what's going to happen to Jeff is Jeff is going to move full-time into executive pastorate. And, and this is where um, I, I want to get, uh, not specific, but give you a philosophical underpinnings. Uh, we, none of us know, um, we, all, we all are tired of this abnormal season. You know, you walk in with a mask everywhere you go. You feel guilty if you don't have a mask. People look at you funny. Um, nobody knows if the mask works or don't, but you got the government telling you. So it's just weird, right? And then our schools and and then politics hasn't helped. It's just a weird season, and we all want to go back to normal, and we all hope there is a, that we can go back to normal. But, the, but one thing has happened as it relates to ministry, and that is we have swung the door wide open as far as online ministry. And our digital ministry, um, on Sundays we probably average, uh, we settled into about 70 or 80 computers that are logged on or devices. Most of those represent two people or three people. We're talking about from California, from San Francisco down to San Diego. Hi, Terry. Uh, my brother watches. Hi, Steve. Uh, um, we, we've got people in Ohio that watch. We've got people in Tennessee that watch. We even have people global. We have a group. There's a small church in Kenya, Africa. I have no idea how they found us, uh, but they have been watching uh, on their phones uh, and uh, we actually sent support to them recently because some of them got very, very sick, and we took uh, some funds and we sent them to them to pay off medical bills and to feed them and to pay some rent things. But we got people all over the world watching, and instead of just going, I'll be glad when that's over, we're going to lean into that more. Um, we're going to, uh, Jeff will be, this is not his whole position, but a lot of his position is going to be taking what we're already doing well and enhancing it leaning more into that digital thing. Um, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny, and, and uh, there are new people coming to Carpenter's Way, but I don't know if we'll ever pack this room out again. I think the, I think the few, 
when you go to Houston, what I want is I want you to take Carpenter's Way with you. When you're sitting with your kids at college, I want you to take an hour and a half on Sunday morning to say, let's watch church. I want you to stick with us in the study. And so we're going to lean into the digital thing so you, when you go on vacation, this is part of your vacation. Because to be honest with you, I feel like, and, and this, isn't, this isn't a shot, but I feel like church has become kind of an optional thing. I'm here two weeks. I've gone two weeks. We want to make it important enough to your family where your kids see, oh, this is even if we're not home, even if we've got a cold, even if I've got the flu, we're going to log into our Roku or our Apple TV and we're going to watch what God is teaching us. And I've told you all along that you can probably, you can do the, the preaching online. That's one-way communication. But i got to tell you, those of you who haven't been back yet, you can't do the fellowship. Just listening to people sing seriously lifted my heart this morning. Really, really, really. And, and we'll get into that in the text this morning. Having said that, let me just remind you that if you are at high risk, you need to be careful. We've got seven people in our church right now. They're not here today. <laughs> but we've got seven people in our church with COVID right now. And they're doing fine. Nobody's in the hospital. Some are a little bit, have bigger symptoms than others. But they're doing fine, and we're praying for you. I know you're watching because I've been in touch with you. But, but we're praying for them. But it's not going away, you guys. Um, some have asked, uh, okay, so, uh, so we've got new member class next week. Uh, our vote is next Sunday night. Listen, um, it's going to be at 5 o'clock here. Uh, there'll be plenty of room. Please, please participate as you can, as you're able. Come out for a half hour and vote. Um, because you're going to pay for that. I mean, you, you know what I mean? We're going to, we're all of us together are going to have to support another pastor, but our student ministry needs somebody in this time, in this season that are thinking about students 24 hours a day. And that's just not possible for part-time people to do. And so that's why we're moving into that. And we're, uh, once the vote is done, we'll begin the process of searching. Uh, that will be led by Mark and Jeff who will vet that. And I'll have Jeff come up next week and tell you the process, he, or, or the week after next, once we, voted, once we voted in, if that's what the Lord has for us. Uh, and, uh, and we'll tell you how the process is going to work. We have nobody in mind at this point. Uh, I know Jeff and Mark have some people they want to talk to, but we don't really have anybody just waiting out there for this vote. But uh, after the first of the year, if you, if you voted in, uh, we'll have money to hire a student pastor, and this person will be obsessing over junior high and high school. That's what they'll be doing. Uh, um, you know, of course, they're going to be pastoring in our church, but their job is not going to be an associate pastor. It's going to be a student pastor. That's what we want them to do, somebody who loves teenagers and does that. So that's, um, uh, that's kind of what's going to happen. That's what the budget change is about this year. I think, it, I think this isn't the pay, but we were able to move some things around, and I think the increase of the budget next year is like $34,000. And uh, I know that's a, that's a lot of money, but we give, you know, and the Lord will provide, and maybe we can give a little bit more. We're in this together. Um, so that's that. Uh, other things coming up, and if you have any questions, please ask. We're here to answer questions. You can talk to the finance team. And by the way, our finance team and our administrators from Jim uh, Haley, who abandoned us three years back, um, <laughs> bless his heart, uh, and then Karen Watson, who oversees that, they have done such a phenomenal job I want to say again, we're debt-free, okay? I mean, we really are. That means we can do ministry and send money to missions, and, and that's because uh, Jim was really hard to work with financially. I mean, he was such a pain. And we were so excited when he finally quit, and then Karen came on, and she's worse. So uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. They work with us so well, and the finance team met this week and went over the budget, and we, we just, uh, it's fun, even if it's tense, because you give so well. For 25 years? Is that how long? 25, 26 years. So thanks for that. Um, thank you so much for that. Um.
Okay, moving on. So then we're going to go we, from, from our, our business meeting, then our obsession is Operation Christmas Child. And in a normal year, you know, we have people volunteer during the week, and, and then, uh, then they deliver, they, people bring boxes in, and then we put in boxes. It's not a normal year. Uh, they've changed the process by which we do operate. We accept boxes. It's predominantly supposed to be hands-free. You're gonna, we're going to use phones and, and uh, you know, little labels and different things. But, but all that is to be said is we used to have morning and the afternoon. We're just going to go, we think, one a day. But here's the problem. A lot of the people who serve during those times are, are high-risk folks, some of our seniors. So we need all of you to help us. And uh, those of you who are healthy, we especially need help on, on Saturday and Monday when we load trucks. Some of us have bad backs that used to be able to lift stuff. And so we, especially the Monday, and this, you'll get more information. We're going to be sending emails out. Read your emails from the church because they come with more detail. But we really need as many of you involved as we can uh, because there's still, the gospel still has to go out. And you know that. And it's going to be social distancing. We're going to have masks and all that stuff. But uh, I know some of you are not concerned about that, but we still want to keep it safe. But if you're able to help us with that, uh, that's coming up. Um, then after, after Operation Christmas Child, which is the week before Thanksgiving, it ends, the Monday of, th of Thanksgiving week, uh, that next Sunday we're going to start a five-week series, or it's four or five-week series to Christmas Eve uh, on Christmas. I'm going I'm to take some time off of Acts, and we're going to talk about Christmas because... It's been such a weird year. I think it's a really interesting year for us to look at what was actually going on at the birth of Jesus. Christmas is so romantic, and you saw a picture of Julie and I and Tyler this week with a picture of us in front of Christmas trees, and I got rebuked by three of you, and the rest of you were, Merry Christmas, Wilkies, thank you. Um, those of you who rebuked us, bah humbug, I'm not listening to you, okay? I'm going to listen to Christmas music as much as I want, and Julie's going to watch boring Hallmark music, movies as much as she wants. Anyway, I'm just teasing with you. But, um, but with all that said, we're going to do, do all those weeks, starting the week after Thanksgiving. Pay attention, Chad, because we need Christmas music. Um, th starting the week after Thanksgiving, all the way through, we're going to have a theme where each week we take a different Christmas story and talk about how God crashed into the world and, and brought peace in a time of, of no peace, joy in a time of no joy. Uh, in times of difficulty, he brought hope because we need that this year. I know it's not as bad here as it is in Kenya, Africa, but it feels bad. And this week, half of you are going to be bummed out. Uh, the other half are going to be mad. Do not burn our church down, please. But it's going to be a weird week. Just it's, but the good news is it's not our world. It's God's world. So, so vote. You need to vote. You need to vote the values that you believe will bless this country. And then you need to go out to dinner and move on with your life. I, 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 I'm expecting to be a little disappointed this week, but I don't know if I will be. We'll find out. But I do know that next Sunday we're going to be right back here worshiping God. Wednesday night we're going to be online worshiping God. So all that is to say that we're going to take this Christmas season. Uh, the women are doing an Advent uh, devotional each day. We're going to have, uh, and I, I need you to invest in this, but every night at 7 o'clock from December 1st until Christmas Eve, we are going to live feed a different story of a family in our church who've gone through difficult times and God has blessed them. 
because you need to know each other, because we need to pull each other together in a digital time. So that's part of what we're going to do in the future is we're going to, in, we're going to lean into digital stuff and, and, and get to know each other better through that. So that's all stuff coming up. Then we'll get through December and uh, we'll have some events and activities. You, you know that the student ministry is meeting every Wednesday night. It, one, week, one week it's student, junior high, one week it's senior high. We've got adult Bible study going off on Zoom. And we've had over 50 people on Zoom with us, which has been quite incredible. Um, so if you want to join us, there's, uh, we'll go through to Thanksgiving with that study. Uh, there's women's Bible studies online and in person. Men, uh, we have our men's timeout online and in person uh, Tuesday mornings. So we're trying to find that sweet spot. For those of you who are at high risk, you can do it online. But we're just trying to meet your needs. We're trying to spiritually feed you. That ends January 3rd, which is the first Sunday in January. On January 3rd, everything is going to go wide open again. That means you'll have to take responsibility for yourself. I, and and I, I know that sounds terrible. I don't mean it mean. But we just, this isn't going away. There are good ther therapeutics. Lord willing, they will begin the vaccines going out. Some of you will not be able to attend until you get the vaccine. I get that. But we need to, at some point, get back to doing children's ministry in-house. We need to get back to doing the, what we do. So on the 3rd of January, that's right, right, Alicia? And we're going to have children's ministry going full blast, both Bible study hour and, show, and worship service. GPS will be starting. Uh, we're going to need you to volunteer again. We're not paying for those positions. That's our job to disciple kids. So when you get a call, make sure you're willing to serve. But we'll start all that up. We're going to have coffee again, and uh, we're just going to move forward. And now we close in prayer. Actually, with that in mind, we can start taking communion with coffee. <laughs> So, so, so we'll start that up in January again. Uh, okay, so some have been asking, well, what's special about January that we can't do now? There's not a lot except we wanted to go slow. We didn't know how the schools would react, and it is kind of getting, it's kind of blowing up again a little bit. So we were just trying to, to go slow. Uh, and um, also, the therapeutics are coming out more and more. Uh, all of the seven people that in our church have COVID, none of them are in the hospital. They're being treated at home, and it, and it seems to be working. And then the vaccine will be out. So there's nothing magical about January. We were just trying to, trying to be as wise as we can. And uh, so thank you for bearing with us. I know some of you think we were too slow. Some of, us, some of you wonder why January. Just, just thank you for the grace you're showing us. We love you. We're just trying to be wise. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There is something else. And, I'm, and Alicia, is it the 11th of November? When is, when is the uh, de baby dedication? The 15th? If you have an infant that you would like to dedicate in front of the church, and it's really a prayer time for the family, uh, we are collecting names at this time. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, we'll do it right up here, and uh, we'll pray for you. And I want to remind you that right now we have, we have preschool child care during worship service, and you can call ahead to sign up for it, or if you come and there's an open spot, um, you know, jump in. So that's where we are right now. Uh, I want to, and I, I know I'm taking a lot of time for this, but the message is short. It's only an hour and a half. So, um, but, but the, uh, the other thing I, I want to let you know is if you haven't been back, we have some cool areas of the church now. We have a, uh, a mother's room for nursing mothers where they can watch the service in there as they take care of business. Uh, we have, uh, the library has been turned into our overflow room and there's tape. I don't know what else to say about that. Um, you should, uh, we were trying to come up with a good name, and I'm going to stop right now. Thank you, Chad. Uh, but we, 
But the library is our overflow room, and they've and Alicia and Steve Hicks they've set up some tables in there, and there's there's playing things, there's crayons, there's uh, there's there's kid goo, so they can play in there, and there's a place to sit and watch the service. So uh, you know you can sit in the welcome area. There's lots of places to be safe and join us. Um, and uh, um, I want to tell you one more thing, and I, this is ahead of the game, and I I could I won't get in trouble because I know what the elders are going to say. We are talking right now about maybe having a midweek, midday or late morning service for seniors or those who are at high risk. We will do it in the room. There's probably 10 or 15 maybe of you, but you can spread out throughout this room and I'll preach the message from the previous Sunday. And if the Lord allows and Julie's schedule allows, she'll come and we'll play a couple hymns and we'll just do a service for those of you who feel at risk. It does not make you a baby. It makes you smart, but you, but you need fellowship. I'm just telling you, I, I, you can ask Julie. You don't need to ask Julie. I, I've been discouraged this week and just hearing you and seeing you it just lifts my heart. It's just important. Uh, it remi- Okay, Zach, don't make eyes at me. That's weird. Okay, so that's the announcements. That's all the information going on. Please, I'm still weirded out by it. Zach Spellings is, is winking at me or something. So that's that. So uh, if you have any questions, please let us know. I do ask you, if, if you're healthy, would you come out next Sunday night and support the budget? Because this year it's different. It says you're also supporting the idea of adding a pastor. If you have concerns, please let us know. We're family. We love you. And we want to hear from you. Uh, you know, nobody wants to hear bad news. But if you've got concerns, we're here to serve you and to love on you. Hey, Ron, it's good to have you back. You should never have left. We'll talk about that later. But uh, anyway, I, I followed you on Facebook. He had an everyday thing. It was a new prayer request every day. So, but we're glad you're back. So, hey, we're, let's pray and then let's jump into the text. It's such a good text today. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for Carpenter's Way. And I, I, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for the body of Christ, of course, across the globe. I'm thankful for what you're doing in individual hearts and lives. But I'm thankful that Julie and I get to be part of Carpenter's Way Church, uh, this, this local body of believers who love you and love each other and who, Father, we're not perfect, but I thank you that we get to gather and study your word together. And um, Thank you for this morning. I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm already encouraged, and, and that's because of your people and your spirit in them. And um, Thank you. So uh, may we have a good time in your word today. May the words of Mark fade away so that the words of God would endure forever. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 2, if, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. We, uh, this is, uh, for those who haven't been with us, we are about seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus has since left our friends uh, behind. He ascended. They watched him float up into the sky, which had to be one weird experience. And then he told them, an angel comes and tells them, he told you to go to Jerusalem, go wait there. And they've been waiting for several weeks in Jerusalem for him to send this gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, at his ascension, he told them that, if they, uh, that in Jerusalem they would receive the Holy Spirit, he would baptize them and empower them for ministry. And the truth is, they had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, they, how many times do you, okay, even right now, with all the weirdness in the world, we've got people who are talking about what it means. The Lord is coming back a week from Tuesday. They have no idea what they're talking about. You know, we have an idea. The Lord's coming back for us, but we don't know what that means, what it looks like, when it's going to happen. We have thoughts, and that's okay, and it's fun to debate. But we really, we, I, just, I just dropped the blood of body of Christ. Um, I'm sorry, it's not really. It's a communion snack pack. Um, but, but we don't really know, and, and the disciples had to feel like that. Jesus would say something to them, and they would think they understood, and it was something totally different, right? 
And then when you look back, you kind of go, oh, that's what he meant. That, yeah, that's exactly what he said, but it looked different than I thought. Well, these guys were used to that. And so even though he tells them to go to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit's going to baptize them and, and that it's, he's going to empower them and he's told them they're going to be in ministry, they're just in Jerusalem hanging out, waiting for this thing to happen, but they're clueless, a lot like we are right now. A lot like we are right now. We have no idea if the Lord's going to come back in our lifetime. We talked Wednesday night in our adult Bible study that there's a lot of people who are kind of feeling like, now, I, now I'm ready for the Lord's return. I'll tell you what, it's so weird with COVID, 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 I'm ready for the Lord to come back. At which, after you think about that, you kind of go, what, life has been so good to you, you didn't want the Lord to come back? I mean, what have we done to the story of the Lord redeeming us and taking us home? But, but they didn't have any more idea. And I hope as we go through Acts, you realize how clueless these people are just like us. There's so many correlations with us and them. And, and that gives me hope. It lets me know that I don't have to know everything. But it was on the day of Pentecost that, they, that this happens in Acts 2, 1 to 3. The believers were meeting together in one place. And we already know that they had already been doing it. So that wasn't special. They had been gathering to pray and to fellowship and to eat. When suddenly this morning, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like, it wasn't, but it looked like it, flames or tongues of fire appeared, and it settled on each of them. So just as Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit came upon them with the sound of wind and what looked like tongues of fire. He didn't tell them that much detail, but that was the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. And I, I want to remind you, because this is where we ended last one week, look at the verse with me on your TV or here in the room, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now this is right after Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait, I'm going to baptize you by the Holy Spirit, and things are going to happen. You are going to, here's what's going to happen, Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, from Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is what that looked like. That's exactly what happened. And, and this was kind of cool for me to kind of work through, and I hope it impacts you. Exactly what Jesus said would happen, happened. Now, they didn't have a clue that it would look like that, but Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit the gift. He's going to empower you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. By the end of that first day on Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 4 says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and as a result, they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Why did this happen? Verse 5, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud voice, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. That's code for bless their hearts. They're kind of dumb. They're just simple Galileans. I mean, how can they speak? Yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. We, uh, here we are, uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas around Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jews, Judaism, Cretans even, and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages, these wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. What is going on? But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all, which is my favorite, like that's my favorite thing in all the scriptures, because we all know when you drink enough, you speak foreign languages. I mean, you may think you are, but, but this, was, this was so out of control 
The arrogant people went, oh, they're just drunk. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. So he didn't step forward alone. They all stepped forward together. Peter stepped forward with the other 11 apostles and he shouted at the crowd. So just to pause, to bring us up to speed, there were people there for Pentecost celebrating, uh, celebrating Pentecost in Jerusalem, converts to Judaism, who spoke at least 12 other languages. God, through the power empowering of the Holy Spirit, caused the 120 of his followers to be understood in each of these languages as they witness to the goodness of God. And I want to tell you it's significant because that's exactly what Jesus said would happen. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to Jerusalem and wait. And when you're sitting there, and I know I keep repeating myself, but I want it to click. When you're in Jerusalem, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to baptize you. And after he baptizes you, he's going to empower you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's what's happening here. This didn't wait till later. It happened immediately upon the Holy Spirit coming. They were witnessing, it tells us, all 120 to the goodness of God. Then Peter, also empowered by the Holy Spirit, steps forward and he preaches the message of his life. He tells the crowd, into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the message of salvation, and they understood it, it infers, in their own native languages. And that day, Acts 2.41 tells us what happened. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. You know why I keep saying that? Because this wasn't a week later or a month later. They didn't go into a room and plan a big evangelistic outreach. That day, about 3,000 people are added to the 120. That day. So, just to remind you, that morning, I think they woke up. I think they had breakfast together. I think they prayed. I think they talked about how they were going to join the festivities. Remember that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the apostles, the 120, did not ever reject Judaism. They just talked about the fulfillment of Judaism through the, through the Messiah Jesus. They still, throughout Acts, go to the synagogues. They probably, and I'm guessing, were planning a wonderful day of, of, of celebration as Jews for Pentecost. But God doesn't wait for you to be timely perfect for him. He does his own thing. Even if you think what is going to happen or your day's like, he has a plan for you. I love this because this, what we just read, is actually the fulfillment of Acts 2, 8 through 10. Acts 2, 8 through 10 says God saved them by his grace when they believed. And they couldn't take credit for it. It was a gift from God. Salvation for these 120 was not a reward for the good things that they'd done. None of them could boast about it. They were simply God's masterpiece. He had created them anew in Christ Jesus so that they could do the good things he planned for them long ago. You see, and, and, and I, I, just, I just really, really want this to dig in. When we went through the story of Jesus, there's also a story of his followers. And now that we're in Acts, there's a story of the Holy Spirit, but it's really about his followers as well. And it isn't what his followers do, it's what the Holy Spirit does through his followers. We look back in flannel graph imagery or stained glass if you grew up in a high, uh, high church church, but we, we look at those stories and we see, you know, we see Jesus and we see with Peter and they both have little halos, one's brighter than the other, but we think Peter's special. Peter's not special, he's as big an idiot as I am. He's just inhabited by the Holy Spirit. That day wasn't special, except that Peter actually put five words together that made sense. And the Holy Spirit, speaking through him, uh, convicted the hearts of the 3,000, about 3,000 that day. And they fall on their face before God. They actually ask, what do we do? And the apostles stand before them and tell them how to repent and how to be saved. We have so removed ourselves 
guys like me have so removed ourselves from the story. And we grew up, and I, and I get it, and I, I'm not really dogging it, but I grew up singing Dare to Be a Daniel. You, you, you remember that song? Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Da, 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 da. Dare to be a David, dare to stand alone. The message of David and Goliath is not take on Philistines. It's not even find five rocks. The story of Daniel, by the way, I sing very nicely. The story of Daniel is not how to survive lions that are hungry. But we sometimes make it that. The story is put your hope in God. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not how to survive government overreach. It's worshiping God over life. The comments of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not fearless comments. They said, our God can save you from, from us from you, but, we, but even if he chooses not to today, we won't bow. That's not because these were good young men. It's because God owned them. And they didn't even have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What we're looking at in this group is not 120 perfect people. Remember what they did when Jesus ascended? They stood there looking up into heaven. God had to send an angel to say, shoo, go on. They were still arguing with Jesus up to that moment about when he's going to set up his kingdom. He had to say, that's none of your business. And yet, look at this day. Don't look at the people. Because it wasn't about them. It was about God making Holy Spirit-filled individuals His masterpiece so that they could accomplish the work that He wanted to work through them. They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I, I talked about that the last two weeks. But God did one more thing in them. He didn't just baptize them and seal them into the family. That was week one. Week two of our study is He empowered them to do His work. That was week two. But God, the Holy Spirit, did a third thing. And we're so, at times, turned on by the 3,000 people being saved that we go right to Acts 3, and we want to get to Ananias and Sapphira and all those crazy stories, and we miss just as big a miracle. Verse 42 in Acts 2 tells us the effect on them was this, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. What you are looking at here is the organic outgrowth of the Holy Spirit's filling the hearts and lives of normal people and empowering them not just to reach the lost, as we often think. Not just to convict them of sin, but also His presence empowered them instantaneously to love each other. And we are given a lot of information up to this point that feeds into, into what, what really how miraculous this is. These people aren't just Jews, and they're not even just Jews uh, friends of Jews, Roman soldiers that they've been hanging out with. We're talking about people from Egypt. We're talking about Arabs. We're talking about Jews and Arabs who have now, for some crazy reason, 
actually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. I want to say something here, and I need you to think about it, because we are living in a time where everybody wants to say how prejudiced the United States is. And I'm not going to say we are or we are not, but I am going to say this. Prejudice is not new to this country. Prejudice is throughout the Scriptures. You find it from the Tower of Babel until today. We see prejudice. That's how you feel good about yourself. You surround yourself with people like you. You surround yourself with people that agree with you because that makes you feel like you're part of a safe crowd. It's part of evolution over the past five billion years. People are an animal pack just highly evolved. None of you laughed at that? Are, are you devastated? I don't believe in evolution. Oh my goodness. We're going to start Genesis next week. The, the truth is, the truth is that's why we do it and everybody has always done it. Prejudice is not new to the United States. You realize that people from Africa were enslaved in Europe as well. And, and it's not just Africans. Have you ever studied on how um, the potato farmers, help me out. I'm, I'm missing it. What? The Irish were treated in our country? I am. I know I'm in so much trouble right now. Have you ever studied? I mean, we could go through group after group. Why? Why in Ohio are there clubs built around people's heritage? Because there's something safe in that, but not in the body of Christ. You see, the body of Christ instantaneously changes things. You're not perfect. You haven't, you haven't thrown off all your sin. You're still going to struggle with stuff. And Acts is going, you're going to be surprised how sinful Peter is throughout Acts. I don't want to give the story away. But Peter struggles with prejudice all the way through the story. So do the Jerusalem church. They don't like the church of Ephesus. Did you know that? We're going to study that. That's why Paul wrote the, the letter to the church of Ephesus. Because they didn't feel like they were saved because the Jerusalem church rejected them. But at the moment of salvation, at the moment that they were saved, they devote themselves to each other and the apostles' teaching. Paul actually explains that later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. You know what he's doing there, right? He's taking the end of every spectrum of groups that shouldn't like each other. He's saying we have nothing in common. We're not from the same place. We're not from the same socioeconomic status. We're not from the same heritage. Some were even slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Now, I want you to think about that in light of where we are today. Do you know that the media has begun getting the church today to attack each other by saying, how can anybody vote for Donald Trump? He's a misogynist. And then others say, how can anybody vote for uh, the, the Democratic Party or Joe Biden? He kills babies. Christians are standing up against Christians and they're arguing. I just want to remind you that we are to seek first God's kingdom then we can be Americans. I'm not saying you can't be Americans or vote. You should. In fact, I think you should vote for one of the two. I think throwing your vote away is a silly thing to do. I don't think you should make him your pastor because I want that job. <laughs> I don't. I think there's enough sin on everybody's plate to go around. But frankly, I'm not voting for a pastor or a best friend or a coffee partner. I'm voting a platform. That's what Mark Wilkie's doing. I'm not telling you which platform, but I'm voting for a platform because I believe one platform blesses the other. But you 
may think the other platform blesses them. That's your right. What a wonderful country we live in. It has nothing to do with your walk with God. Because this transcends that. You see, well, let, let's keep going. This was so significant in Acts that you remember that Luke writes this. It's the second volume of a historical two-volume thing. He's writing to Theophilus. I think that the best reasoning for why he writes this is to make a case to Roman leadership through some guy named Theophilus to say, we're not a cult, we're not a threat to Rome, leave us alone. So he writes the story of Jesus, and then he writes the story of the church so that the leaders in Rome are all going, okay, all right, it's not, it's not a revolutionary group like the Jews are saying. We don't have to kill them. I believe that's why he writes this. And he thinks it's so important that we understand that these guys unite, that they became one, that he actually gives us details about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 30, 43, it says that a deep sense of awe came over them all. And all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together. Remember, all the believers, so we're talking about 3,120 around that number. And they're people from everywhere from Egypt to Jerusalem. <laughs> These are people from all over the place. They have many different native languages. Some are slaves, some are free. Some are rich, some are poor. But they have... They all met together in one place and they shared everything they have. This is so remarkable to Luke that he goes on to say they actually sold their property and their possessions and they shared money with those they had in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising the Lord and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what this is, right? This isn't a program. This wasn't a pastor going, what we need is more unity. What we need is for the Cretans and the Samaritan believers to come together and make peace so that then they can make peace. That's not what's happening here. This is the Holy Spirit's presence, and it's actually, maybe we could argue, more amazing than 3,000 being saved in one day because we've all been to business meetings in either Assemblies of God Church or Baptist churches. Never, ever, ever is more hate shown in the church than at a business meeting. I'm sorry, but it's true. And we all giggle. I've told you before of the one experience I'll never forget. This is, uh, 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 was it Tim LaHaye? Help me out. David Jeremiah. I mean, this is like King David, right? That's what we used to call him. David Jeremiah. I mean, he's a phenomenal preacher. And I remember at an annual business meeting every year, this one dude would stand up and ask for his resignation. And people would get up and tell him why he's a fool. And then the deacons would argue. And it was a big argument. It would go on for two hours and we'd leave. And I would hear people saying, isn't it great that we have an open-minded church that can speak honestly to each other? Just so you know, that's poo-poo. <laughs> that isn't love. If you've got something, it's, it's one of the reasons we do things how we do them. You have the right to be concerned that Mark has been nominated for an elder. But you shouldn't tell the whole church about it. You should talk in private. You should come talk to me. We should build each other up. This, this outgrowth of the Holy Spirit happened naturally. And look what's happened through time. I, I'm genuinely afraid for the church that we have taken so many things in our own hand, including the business of the church, we wouldn't recognize God, Holy Spirit-filled unity. Uh, we, have, we actually called hate as a good thing. I want to remind you what, first John, what John wrote, who was a part of all this unity in 1 John 4. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, my, my Pentecostal grown-up friends, my, my friends from that genre, I just want to be clear. 
that it is not the ability to speak in tongues that validate whether you're saved. It's love. Why? I'll, I'll explain why in a moment. But love. Anyone who does not love does not know God for God's love. God showed us how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. He's not saying that that's how you get Him to live in you. If you love, you have Him in you. That's what He's saying. Got to look at what verse I'm at. See what happens when I roll out of the pocket. If we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 13, and God has given us a spirit, His spirit as one, three, one, two, three. Proof. Proof. Does anybody have, is there anybody here who speaks English who doesn't know what that word means? Proof. Evidence. Validation. Proof that we live in Him and He lives in us. So it's His Spirit that validates our claims of being Christians. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels fear. If we are afraid, it's for a fear of punishment, and that shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but he hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. Just to be clear, my friends who don't go to church and say this very thing. I love Jesus, I just don't like his people. You have a problem with that verse. Now Mark, if someone says I love God but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. So if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God when we can't see? When I was in sixth grade, my father moved us onto a mountain. That's one of the cool things about living in California. He bought a piece of property, several acres, and it was literally on the side of a mountain. It was cool because I would sleep on the, third of Ju- uh, on the 4th of July. I'd, I'd lay out in the backyard. I'd sleep on our lawn, and I could look down on the fireworks. I mean, it was that cool. My dad, uh, I guess, always wanted to be a tree farmer because he planted 36 trees on our property. Please don't correct me if my number is off, Dad. But he planted a bunch of avocado trees. He planted a bunch of orange trees and a few lemon trees. Do you know how we could tell which tree was which? By their fruit. And, and for those of you who are tree farmers, you're going, I don't need fruit. I can tell by the leaf. That's still the fruit of the tree. You're thinking too hard. By the fruit. If I took an orange and I painted it yellow and I glued it to the lemon tree, is it a lemon? If I took the orange or a lemon that was shaped like an avocado, a weird one, but I painted it green, and I actually put it on the avocado tree, and it looked like an avocado, and even if I could convince people it was an avocado, does that make it an avocado? All you got to do is squeeze it to find out what it is. If you squeeze an avocado, you get gook. If you squeeze a lemon, you get a good-smelling juice. If you squeeze an orange, you stink all day. It's under your fingernails. But that's because it is what it is. 
But I would argue that the modern evangelistic focus of the church have removed God from the transformer into the just the one that keeps you from hell. And by the way, in your lifetime, sometime you can work it out. I want to make it clear that that's not what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, they had little things that looked like fire. They had little things that, 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 that they had sound of wind. They had evangelistic outreach that happened without any planning, and people are saved under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And on top of it, they start loving each other. A, a, a gentle reading of Galatians 5 will explain to you that you know who's saved and who's not saved by their life. You are not saved by what you do, but what you do will tell you who's your leader and Lord and Savior is. So my friends who believe that tongues is the way you know that you're saved, it is a satanic distraction, that theology. I know I just offended you, but you've got to hear me out. Why not the little fiery things? Why not the wind, the sound of wind? Why'd you pick tongues? Because you could get people to speak in tongues. You can fake it. What you can't fake is Holy Spirit-empowered unity and love and ministry that you can only give God credit for. And most of you have experienced that. Most of you, if I gave you a day, and I'm not going to make a minute, if I gave you a day, can think of a time when the Lord put you in a situation and things came out of your mouth that you didn't even know you knew, and you walked away going, that was weird. That's the Holy Spirit. Or when you acted completely different to what you were saying, you felt about an individual, you had, a, you had compassion and empathy, and you ministered to them when you just told your spouse how much you hated them. Or you were in line with somebody who offends you because their pants are lower than they should be, or they're growing a mullet. They're coming back, people. They're coming back, and they're starting at your pulpit. Somebody asked, how long is your hair going to go? A little bit farther. Well, I realize that Chad is growing a beard. He looks like John the Baptist because we all know he was balding. So at Easter, we're going to cut his head off and we're going to hang me. We're going to do that this Easter. I'm, gonna look like, I'm looking like Jesus. Back to the text. Did I say something bad? Julie's correcting me. Just text me, honey. I'll get it on my watch. <laughs> Those... Acts 2, 41, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church. About 3,000 in all, they joined with other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper and prayer. You know, um, and, and I need to get to communion. And I am, I am not, okay, I want to be careful here because everybody's emotions are so high. I am, I am not dogging political activity, okay? You, you need to be active, but I've talked to other pastors, and it's easier right now to get people to rally around Donald Trump in the church than it is around Jesus in the church right now. That's different. The vote is Tuesday. We've got to win this. No, we don't. God used Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm not saying which candidate is Nebuchadnezzar. I almost made a joke that would have got me in real trouble. Gosh, do you understand what I'm saying about this? This chapter is about the Holy Spirit radically changing people, 
normal, silly, self-absorbed people, starting with 120 all the way to 3,000 people from all over the place. And it just wasn't a transformation so that they could have a worship experience. It wasn't just a transformation so people could be saved. It wasn't just a transformation for the church. It was all three parts. But the reason that they gathered is because they needed each other. And God drew them together because he knew they needed each other. And this is our gift. This is the gift of God to the church. Tomorrow and Tuesday, if you turn on the news, and I know a lot of you have turned it off, it's going to be a weird day. Even if your guy wins, it's going to be a weird day. If one of your guy wins, the country's going to go up in flames and cities are going to burn. If the other guy wins, everything is fixing to change. But God will not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is our hope. He is our hope. And maybe this is the best season of the church. Because you have to decide right now where your hope is coming from. Is it coming from the scientists at the CDC? Is your hope coming from, from uh, uh, just a preacher that you, you don't know from a long way away? Or is it coming from the body of Christ? We need each other. How do I know that? Because God put us together before we even knew we needed each other. Blacks and whites and browns and people who spoke one language and another and people who were rich and poor. We need each other. We don't need each other to convince each other to vote Republican or Democrat. We need each other to remind each other that if your guy loses, your God has not lost a thing. It's okay. It's going to be just fine on Wednesday morning, just maybe less comfortable for us. And maybe it's time. Somebody asked me this week, so, um, I, you know what, I really, you all probably know how I'm voting, but I just don't want to make a point that way. I just want to remind you that no matter who wins, it's going to be a mess because the heart of our country is a mess. And the answer to our country's need is the Holy Spirit through the church who should stand together and say, this is a, this is a political free environment. This is an environment that is not, we are not united on wealth. We're not united on color. We're not united on, on social justice. We're not united on even theology, on our idea of doctrine or the return of Christ. We are united on Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit empowering us. But here's the thing. I know all of our elders agree with that. But that doesn't change the church. It's time for you to surrender yourself to whatever God has. I'm not saying don't raise your kids. I'm not saying don't bless your country by voting. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying first seek the kingdom of God. When was the last time, men and women, you sat with your kids or your grandkids and taught them the word of God? I know that that's, I know it's tough. I know there's so much busyness, but VeggieTales doesn't count. Over the last year, and here's my shot. I'm going to take one shot at us, okay? Over the last year, Julie, why don't you join me? We have provided every week with fantastic material for you to sit with your kids on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday night, to sit with your kids and watch Miss Alicia or Casey, to just sit for seven minutes and then talk about God with your kids. It's been incredibly discouraging to see how few of you have taken advantage of that. And I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid January 1st, you're going to feel relieved that your kids are being taught about God again. That's my fear. Or that you're dropping your kids off somewhere else so that they're being taught. I, I don't really mind if you drop your kids off somewhere else, but the question is, 
Why aren't you doing it? You're their pastor. If every week I got somebody else, we paid somebody else to come up here and preach, at some point you would say, aren't you going to feed us? Maybe you wouldn't. Some of you would. I, I'm laughing. I want you to lighten up. I'm not, I'm not banging on you, I promise. But when was the last time outside of a meal you prayed with your children? When was the last time we prayed together? Actually, we've been praying a lot because people have been getting sick and stuff, but when was the last time you took your family to God? If you're not, as a family, getting together around God, why would, you ever, why, why would we ever think you'd want to come back? It's not a priority. Enough of that? You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, we're, is there anybody here who doesn't feel a little guilty with what I said except me who lives in a spiritual plane? You can laugh. I'm joking. I am such a failure at leading my family spiritually in so many ways. But it's time to change. Because Tuesday's not going to solve our problems. You all know that, right? Because underneath all the voting and all the advertisements, it's a heart condition problem, right? So this morning in communion, okay, one more thing, I promise. I promise we're almost done. So you're geared in church, just like me, to listen to a message like this and to leave and go, I am going to pray with my family every day or I'm going to lead one person to Christ a week or I'm going to. That is not what I'm asking from you. What I'm saying is acknowledge that you're not where you should be and ask God in that area to fix it. Now, I, I want us to go back to God. I want us to say to the Holy Spirit, well, you've been walking with me and I obviously have not been doing my job as a pastor of my family. So Holy Spirit, give me not only the desire to do it, but actually tell me what to say. Go to God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, do not walk an aisle. Talk to God. Ask Him to forgive your sin. Thank Him for grace. If you are a child of God in the midst of an affair or, or, or pornography or drinking or same-sex relationship, whatever pulls you away from God, if you're having sex outside of marriage, whatever it is, yes, tell Him it's wrong, but go to God. We'll get you hooked up with counseling later if you need it. But that is not the first thing. First, we seek the kingdom of God. That's what we do first. Why? Because Jesus is our example. Take your little snack pack if you're in the room. And on the top is a little tasteless wafer. That represents the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. Well, why do we remember the body when the blood forgave us? Because we have to look at him as our example of pushing through the pain. Of doing what's right. Even when he was tempted not to. That's why we eat the bread. God, make me like you. Let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, make us like you. Amen? Lord Jesus, make us like you. Willing to have momentary pain or a lifetime of pain knowing that you are good and your plan is better. Make us people who are willing to be living sacrifices. To turn off the news and pray with our children. To actually take time to invest in the lives and spiritual health of our spouses. Lord, we acknowledge we don't do those things and there's not a person listening or in this room that's not guilty of some of the things we talked about, including me, Lord. The only reason I know they're a struggle is because I don't do them. 
I do not stand before this flock having arrived, but realizing how far I have to go. So I thank you for the second part of communion. The grape juice that reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ that makes it okay for us to screw up. That forgives us for falling short. Father, thank you for grace. We acknowledge right now that even though we're saved, we still fall short. So we take this to remember that our hope is not found in being better Christians, but being more faithful to our Jesus. Listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and letting Him use us in whatever way He wants. So let's take the juice in remembrance of Him. And now, Lord Jesus, as we move forward into life, into this week, that I think most of us have a feeling is going to be a train wreck, I thank you that it's only going to be a train wreck in our country. It is not a train wreck in our souls. It is not a train wreck with you. And in fact, if we open our eyes and look around, we will realize that this will be the perfect week to tell people that we have hope and joy in the Lord. And if those in this room or watching on TV realize that they do not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, may they run to you and talk with you about it, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Love you. Take this with you. Set it on. You can take it into the voting booth. I checked. They said communion element cups can go in. Just remember, it is still well with our souls. Love you guys. Hey, if you'd like to give to our benevolence fund, just uh, we're not going to pass plates anymore. You can drop whatever cash you'd like to in the offering plate as you leave, and we'll make sure that gets to the benevolence fund. Any cash in there today will go towards that. So love you guys. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.